630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. So the Elks and the Stampeders coming up on Thursday. So uh, I will not have a show that night. I will be at the game and you'll be getting uh, Escott and uh, Morley and Dave and Blake and company for the countdown to kick off at 530 and then the game at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll get Sam Calzantino on the line here in a couple minutes to tee up the uh, NHL draft, which is Thursday for round one, Friday for rounds two through seven. Uh, the Oilers picking 29th. If they hang on to that pick, who knows? Maybe they'll trade that uh, trade down, try to recover some picks in rounds two and three. We had uh, more extended discussion about Jesse Pugliarvi last night. Could he possibly be traded would the Oilers get an actual roster player in return or would they be uh looking at um uh you know possibly just getting some draft picks we'll see about that uh keeping an eye on the Evander Kane situation I mean other players who are on the Oilers this year that might not be back Tyson Berry always rumors about him Zach Cassian uh Warren Fogle probably some names to keep in mind is Mike Smith going to retire is Duncan Keith going to retire so uh plenty of storylines here for the Oilers and then we're right into free agency next week as well so there will be a, a lot of hockey talk and a lot of significant stories in the hockey world for about the next uh, 7 to 14 days for sure uh Andrew Cogliano was a story today the former Edmonton Oilers re-signing with the Colorado Avalanche remember he was traded there during the season helped them win the Stanley Cup he gets a one-year deal worth 1.25 million dollars he made an appearance on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer earlier today that's noon to two weekdays here on 630 Jed and Stoff asked Cogliano, have you ever seen a defenseman like Kale McCarr? No, no. I, I think how he approaches a game, you know, I saw it in practice, the first practice I was there. You know, it just how he passes the puck, how he moves, his pace of play. Um, you know, it, it just, it, it really is on another level, you know, and and it was funny, there was, there was a, actually, we're, we're against you guys, and he, uh, I remember, I don't know what game it was, I can't remember what game it was, um, but it was in your building, and he made a couple moves to the neutral zone, juked a couple guys, and whipped this pass, and it was just, you know, it was a rocket pass, and it was right on my backhand, and I fumbled the thing, you know, into the zone, and he came up to me, he goes, sorry about the pass, and in my head, I'm going, that's not your fault, you know, like, that was, like, one of the best passes I've taken in terms of speed, and, like, just on my tape, it just, I just, you know, I didn't, I mishandled it, you know, but that's like he just plays with a different intensity and i don't know i i the fire you see in his eyes the drive with how he prepares before the game and you know when you have a guy like that that's sitting in the room and you don't really talk to when he's by himself and you know he's you could tell he's dialed in for the game and it's very scary and for for the caller for our organization for our team you know, like those guys that everyone involved got to just be thrilled and really he's going to be like that for a long time I love that story from Cogliano, and I, I think that's uh, that's a fitting story. Sometimes the I mean, Rob and I talk about a lot. The great players in hockey see passing lanes and see plays that other players can't see, and that's what happened to Cogliano in a position thinking I, he's not going to pass me the puck, and bang, there's the puck, and he mishandles it, and McCarr apologizes for the pass, and Cogliano has to say, no, 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 not your fault. That's a great play. 
but I just wasn't able to knock it down because I wasn't expecting that you can do it. I mean, we see McDavid and Drysdale every game make plays like that for the Oilers, where you're thinking, "Oh my goodness, what was he? How? Where? How? Really? Seriously?" I've been Kale McCarr is to me is a joy to watch, and I I just think in the NHL, and I, and I I got to be careful how I frame this here because there are so many great players in the league. Austin Matthews just won the Hart Trophy. Full credit to him. You know, Johnny Goudreau in Calgary had an incredible year. Crosby and Ovechkin have been outstanding players for, well, going back, uh, well, what, 17 years now. I, I mean, there, there are so many great players in the NHL. I could go on and on. But if I, I really think at this point, after seeing what happened this last season, I think two players have separated just in terms of being the, the most unique uh uniquely talented players in hockey. And I think that's Connor McDavid and Kale McCarr. And I know Dreisaitl gets a ton of points. And I think Dreisaitl's all round game is at an absolutely incredible level. But the, the, I mean, we've talked about McDavid for years, the combination of the speed and the skill and the intelligence, and he's become a better shooter and he's better at faceoffs and he's improved defensively and all that kind of stuff. Just such a unique package. And, and then I think that Makar is in that class when it comes to just being a unique player. Makar won the Norris Trophy this year. Uh, I know I was touting Roman Yossi for most of the season. I have no trouble with Makar winning it. And I, I honestly think that Makar is, is the one defenseman currently in the NHL who could win the heart. It would not surprise me if he wins a heart or two along the way. And we know McDavid's going to be a perennial contender here in Edmonton, and probably Dreisaitl's going to be in the conversation some years as well. But I just think in terms of being such a unique talent, and we saw it in that series, and Cogliano referenced it in that clip, he's a force offensively and defensively. He is like, yes, he's an incredible offensive defenseman, He's going to be a point-a-game defenseman in his career, which is awesome enough, but he's not just leaning one way. He's also exceptional defensively. So I, I in terms of being unique, I'm not saying, uh, the, you know, the most explosive or, or, he's, uh, or he's going to win uh, trophies all the time or win championships all the time, though I think he's going to be contending a lot. But I just think in terms of rock, if you look at a player and say, can you really – legitimately compare that guy to anybody else in the NHL, or is he pretty much in a class of his own? I, I think McDavid and McCarr are the two players you mentioned. It doesn't mean they're ne- doesn't necessarily mean they're always going to be the best players or the highest scoring players. But I think if you look at their skill sets and what they're able to accomplish and the way they're able to change and dictate a game night after night, I, I think McDavid and McCarr are the two most unique players in the National Hockey League. Anyway, they're fun to watch for sure. Would be would be cool if uh, the Oilers in Colorado met in the playoffs again next season. Yes, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, getting far, uh, far more in the immediate future. The NHL draft is coming up to discuss from Sportsnet. It's our buddy Sam Cosentino. Sam, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Nice to be on once again. Yes, uh, well, it's kind of an annual appearance for you around this time of year we'll have to find other times of year to get you on but we always bug you around around the draft but it's it's an exciting time for you right because you follow these prospects so so closely so it's got to be exciting for you to see how how it's actually going to play out yeah i love it i love these young guys as they go to to realize a dream and just kind of having the opportunity to follow them it's uh it's really cool because this is the the culmination and you know the the end of one chapter and the the beginning of another I want to, before we dive into this year's draft, Sam, I I think it would be fun to look back to 2017 for a couple of reasons. 
And reason number one is the biggest story in the hockey world from the last couple of weeks, the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup and Kale McCarr leading the way. Who went fourth overall? Who looks like he should have gone first overall? Or if there was a spot higher than first, that's where he should have been taken. Uh, you, you know, I, I know there was a lot of hype around McCarr in that draft. I remember the morning of the draft, there was some last minute, you know, maybe they're going to take him first. Um, like, when you look, look back on him going forth and now what he's become what do you sort of uh, make of that how do you how do you look back on that selection and how the the top of that round played out I look back on it um, a good friend of mine Alan Heppel was the head scout of the Colorado Avalanche at the time and they went into the draft lottery with the best odds of winning the first overall pick and they didn't get it and ended up moving to four and of course, you know, they were kind of ticked off that that happened at that time. And as things started to go on, there was so much talk about Heischer and Patrick. And, you know, Haskinen was kind of hanging around in the background. But we're pretty certain that it was going to be either uh, Heischer, Patrick, or Patrick Heischer. And that would eat up two of the first two spots. And then sitting there at number four, Colorado would sort of have that 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 option. Um, and as things go on, you know, a lot of teams started to... to get out there to watch him more and they're like man this guy's pretty good um but you know rarely did you hear him in the conversation uh of being the first guy until we got to the time right before the draft and that's when people were like hey we like he sure you know we think patrick's gonna be pretty good worried about his him being injurious a little bit and then finally it came to that time and and colorado got lucky when haskin and went to dallas who is a marvelous player but i you know uh, Makar is Makar, and he's he's one of the greatest players in the world right now. So that's what I remember most. And, you know, kind of seeing Colorado win was a little bit bittersweet, knowing how Alan Apple had drafted a lot of those guys and, and wasn't around with the Avalanche to see it uh, all come to fruition in hours with, uh, with Arizona. Okay. Uh, also, and I'm going to flash back to our annual interview from going into, <laughs> into 2017. You said... If the Edmonton Oilers could get Kyler Yamamoto at 22nd, they should be pretty happy with that. You 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 called that the 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 week leading up to the draft. The Yamamoto would probably be there, and that the Oilers would would snap him up. Uh, he's five years in now. Certainly, uh, you know, made a splash when he came up uh, for New Year's Eve a couple of years ago, and kind of you know a half point a game player this past year who has shown when he gets hot, he can go on some streaks with points and goals. Five years in for Yamo. How do you look at it? You know what? Pretty good. And you're really just starting to come into his own, I, I believe. But he is an interesting guy in that he can probably give you the energy required and some of the peskiness required of playing a, a third uh, a third line role. Yet he has proven at times that he has the ability to play with better players with his speed, with his hands, and his finishing ability to be able to play in a top six role. So those types of versatile guys are they're hard to find. And I think with, uh, with Kyler, it's, uh, you know, he's still trying to find his niche uh, and you'd want to see him play more consistently with those top end guys where he's producing on a more regular basis, but we're probably at that, you know, at that point in his career going into this year where, Hey, now you've had experience. Now you're five years down the road, you're bigger, you're older, you're stronger, you're more experienced. Now it's time for you to really make your hay and make that determination as to what you are and what we project you to be the next few years. Are you that top six guy who's going to perform consistently enough to stay there? Or are you more of that third 
line, sometimes fourth line guy who can be a pest and, and provide some unexpected offense. We're at that time now where he's got to find his way on one side of the line or the other. Yeah. Okay. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports, setting you up for the draft first round Thursday, rounds two through seven, coming up on Friday. All right. I'm going to ask you the question that you're going to be like, seriously, I've been asked this already a hundred times today, but I got to do it for this show. How deep is this draft? <laughs> well, it, it's pretty good. I mean, I love the first 10, 10 guys. Um, then it gets really wide open. And so you can look at it two ways. You can say, well, it's so wide open because no one separated themselves or it's so wide open because ah, the talent's all the same and there's not a lot of difference. I tend to look at it as it's wide open because you have a number of players from a number of countries who do different things well. So you got right shot D, you got big D, you got smaller skilled guys, you got a couple of power forwards in there. So it's really varying in terms of, of uh, you know, the type of player you're going to get. It's not, you know, one big grouping of all oh, this guy's a good player and this guy's a good player. So I think that's what makes it interesting. And that's the, the same reason why people think it's a, a decent draft is the same reason why people think it's not such a great draft because we don't have those discernible ledges that we're used to seeing outside of the top 10 in this in this particular draft. So I like 2023 better. I think this is an average draft year. I wouldn't say it, it, it's, uh, you know, above range. And the, the fact of the matter is anyone who can predict that, I think is it's fool's gold because most of these guys have missed a significant amount enough time in their draft minus one year to make it less predictable, I guess you'd say. Okay. Uh, Shane Wright, num number one to the Canadians, is that uh, a no-brainer or is there a chance they do something different? Uh, it's. Uh, I think so. I think it's a 50-50, honestly. I don't think Montreal has made up its mind to this point. I think there's one meeting left here with, uh, you know, the Montreal Brass and Uri Slavkovsky, and I don't know if that meeting will, will sway things in one direction or the other, but I know they've met on a number of times uh, with, with Shane, right, and they feel that they've done their uh, entire due diligence on him, and now it becomes down to the flavor of, hey, do you want a big power scoring winger, which is really difficult to find? Or do you want that two-way second line center who's going to be a leader for your team, who's going to play a lot of years, uh, who maybe doesn't have quite the same offensive potential as, as Slepkovsky. So I don't think we're going to know. I think both jerseys are going to be printed and they're going to be hiding underneath the desk of the Montreal Canadiens draft table. And when they get the opportunity to go up and make that pick, I just hope uh, Ken Hughes picks the right jersey. Okay, <laughs> that'd be embarrassing. Eh? Has that ever happened? Oh, we had it. Not, not in my time. Not in my time. But I think they're gonna have both printed. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, that'd be that would be quite the one for the blooper reel. Okay, so here we go. And I guess I got to put the pressure on you because the last time the Oilers picked in this, I guess, general range was Yamamoto twenty second. So now they're twenty ninth. You did a mock draft. You got a name for us. Uh, tell us about that name and maybe another possibility or two for Edmonton uh, at 29. Matthias Havlet is the son of Nick. He's part of uh, twin brothers. His brother Hugo's a goalie. He'll probably end up going in the third round and maybe a little higher than some expected. The son of Nick Havlet, the former NHLer, and a, a guy who had a great under-18s. And that recency bias, I think, has pushed him back up into the first round when maybe earlier in the year he wasn't quite there, but now I believe he finds himself there. And he's a little bit of a different guy uh, compared to what you're seeing, you know, the Samarukovs, the Brobergs. If you believe, uh, if you truly believe that Broberg is that is that point-producing, 
defenseman like we saw towards the end of his junior career, then maybe this is not an area in which the Edmonton Oilers want to address. I think that this player is a little bit different than that, and I think he's unique to what the Oilers have in the rest of their system, and that's why I think he applies um, to that particular spot having said that i think alexander paravalov is a is a russian player who knows what happens with them but if there's anyone who can who can sort of make that work you'd have to think it would be ken holland and i think philip meshar is another guy who's a really skilled player an excellent playmaker thinks the game extremely well is fast um uh, and end up may, might be a guy who ends up going higher but i think those are three possibilities in that spot for uh, for the oilers but i think havlid is just something a little bit different than what they have in their system and picking that low i think you can um you know edge your bias towards a, a positional player as opposed to the best player available okay well you got a good track record so uh give it you gave us three names so i'm confident it's going to be one of those guys because i got faith in you sam <laughs> Thanks, Reed. <laughs> hey, th- thanks for hopping on tonight. Uh, let's do this again sooner than a year from now. Sound fair? Yeah, you got her. Looking forward to it. All right. That is Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. His mock draft uh, defenseman, Matthias Havlett, he has going to the Edmonton Oilers. So mark that down. Uh, not a big guy, but some offensive potential there. We'll see if that is indeed who the Oilers snap up coming up on Thursday night. We got to call a quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Matthias Havlin. That's who Sam Cosentino has the Oilers drafting 29th. Remember that name going into the first round of the draft on Thursday, rounds two through seven on Friday. We got the Elks game on Thursday, 5.30 for the countdown to kickoff game at seven. Elks punter Matt Mengel will join us after the seven o'clock news. He has absolutely been booming some kicks, a good directional punter as well. His punt uh, late in the fourth quarter helped set up that fumble return touchdown for the Elks in their victory over Hamilton going to be fun to have him on the show Mooner will check in as well and Team Brick Alberta currently on the ice at the Brick Invitational at West Edmonton Mall playing Team Pennsylvania we are going to get immediate post-game reaction between 738 we're going to get I believe both a player and a coach from Team Brick Alberta live on the show so I'm greatly looking forward to that you can check in at 780-496-0066 three always happy to hear from you uh news from over the weekend craig mctavish who was a regular bi-weekly guest on inside sports during this past hockey season is joining the st louis blues as an assistant oh i i've worked with uh army in the past years ago we worked together on a world championship team when uh, the world championships were in halifax Uh, many years ago actually and then uh, when Jimmy Montgomery was getting interviewed for various head coaching positions around the league um, I had a conversation with with Doug uh, and expressed some interest in in the job if Monty got the job uh, got a head coaching job which uh, fortunately for him and for me he did and so then it just kind of came together quickly. So I played uh, a bit, as you know, with Craig Berube and his short tenure here with the Oilers and, uh, you know, really, uh, really enjoyed my time with him. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, it's a pretty good situation. 
All right, a little bit there from Craig McTavish. He was explaining his decision on uh, Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Elks getting ready to face the Stamps. Rainy, rainy day. So they practiced indoors at the field house attached to Commonwealth. Here's head coach Chris Jones. It's a little bit harder for us to practice at the pace we need to practice at. Uh, when we're indoors, it's a small indoors, but at least we're dry and at least the kids aren't trying to, you know, just make it through the day. You know, if we go outside and rain, they're just trying to make it through the day. So we, uh, we come in here and we got some good work done. And the Elks getting set to go up against one of my mother's most hated players of all time. He's he's back in the top five, Kellen. He didn't make the list for Mother's Day, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I was assured when the Elks played the Stamps a couple of weeks ago, he's back in there, and that is Bo Levi Mitchell. My mother is not a fan, and I'm sure many people listening aren't fans uh, either. Jones says they got to get more pressure on BLM. Well, he knows right where to go with the football, and a lot of his a lot of his you know balls come out you know under two point two point oh. So a lot of times you're going to, have to play in the throwing lane and uh, do a great job of knowing right where he's going to throw the football and try to try to do something in the coverage aspect to get him to hold the ball. All right. Yeah, well, they had Bo on the run a couple times in that game, but uh, he was able to put the ball in a good spot, and that helped Calgary get the victory. Punter Matt Mangle coming up after the 7 o'clock news here on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.